Welcome to week three of the story you'll tell in this series. We are talking about how this year you are going to tell a story with your life. The only question is what type of story is it gonna be? Is it gonna happen by default and just be a slightly less fun rerun of last year? Or is this the year you get serious and specific about designing your life with God? Will this be the year that you get serious about knowing God and living on purpose so that we can go change the world together? Now for week three of this series, I've got one verse for you. Actually, we're taking a deep dive into a whole story in Acts 12, but it all comes back to one verse, Philippians 1 and verse six. For I am sure of this. I am sure of this. Not, I got a good feeling about this. Not. I've got a hunch. Paul writes, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to get today. Living a story worth telling is not easy. Has anyone noticed? Anyone had any setbacks even this year so far? Sometimes when we hit setbacks, we wanna quit. We think our story is over, but this, the Bible tells us that he who began a good work in your life will be faithful to see it through to completion. All I wanna do today is help you get that truth into your heart and give you three easy practical steps that you can hold on to, tools you can hold on to for when things start to get tough. Today's sermon's all about persevering. And so, Father, thank you that you call us to live a story worth telling. Would you give us the strength and the power to do that today? We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can take a seat. Well, I want to tell you the title of today's sermon. But first... I wanna give you a little bit of the heart behind it. So we as a church are in day 14 of a 21-day fast. And if you want to, to jump in for this final week, we would love to have you. But for those of you who have been going through this fast, I'm wondering if you had a similar week to me. And by that, I mean a really difficult week. <laughs> like, okay, day one of the fast, so much expectation, so much excitement, by day seven, feeling a little bit of breakthrough. And I know that day 21, next Sunday, is gonna be a celebration and triumphant and all of that. But what about day 14? Uh, what about this past middle week? This messy middle week. Like for me, when I, when I started out, I'm like, well, day one, I can do anything for 21 days. I got this. And then by day four, I'm like, what have I done? 21 days is such a long time. Why is time moving slower than Christmas when you're a kid and you're in December waiting for it to come? Like this time is going by so slow. Yeah, I call it the messy middle. You can no longer see the starting line, but you can't see the finish line yet and you're here in the messy middle. And what starts to happen in the messy middle is you go, this is a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be. Maybe I just quit. Maybe this is the end. And I'm not just talking about the fast, I'm talking about life. Like maybe for some of you it's your career and your dreams for your career and you have this idea and you threw everything into it 
and, and then you hit some setbacks. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody stole money from you. We hit a pandemic or a recession. Something happened, and in the messy middle of you building your dream, you looked around and thought, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Maybe, maybe I just quit. Maybe, maybe this is the end. Maybe for some of you, it's a, a, a deep, godly desire to be married and to share your dreams with somebody else. And so you, you took a step of faith and were open your heart and, and, and were vulnerable. And then you had your heart broken. And you're looking around in the messy middle going, maybe it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Maybe I should just quit. Maybe, maybe this is the end of that dream. Maybe for some of you, that's how you feel with your relationship with God. And you set out, 2024, this is gonna be the year that I learned to follow God. And you're looking around like, why is everybody raising their hands? I wanna raise my hands and, and worship. Like, I wanna figure this whole thing out, but old habits die hard, and you find yourself going back to them, and then the enemy whispers in your ear, oh, God's done with you. And you're looking around in the messy middle going, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Maybe... Maybe this whole faith thing wasn't for me. Maybe I should just quit. Maybe, maybe this is the end. The title of my message today is It's Not the End, It's the Messy Middle. It's not the end, it's the messy middle. I want this to be an anthem for your week and for your year. That anytime it starts to feel difficult, anytime you start to experience setbacks, that you've learned to preach this line to yourself. Oh, this isn't the end, it's just the messy middle. It's just that we have an enemy who loves to tell us that when we're in the middle of the mess, that our story's over. And it's not true. How do I know this? Because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. It's not the end, it's the messy middle. And so, let's talk about story for a couple of minutes. We're in a series called The Story You'll Tell. I wanna break, I love studying story, I wanna break it down to, to uh, story in three parts. You ready? This is gonna be, this is why you came to church, this, this next 30 seconds. Every good story has three parts to it. Beginning, middle, end. Every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? Every story, good story worth watching and worth living has had a beginning. I know this because have you ever like, gotten home and your roommates are halfway through a movie or your family's halfway through a movie? And you, and, and you sit down and try to jump in without knowing the beginning of the story? Don't do that, because if you do, you become that person. You know that person I'm talking about? Hey, who is she again? Hey, is, is he a good guy or a bad guy? We don't know yet, we're trying to figure, okay, okay, sorry, I'll just be over here, right? Like if you don't know the beginning of the story, you might as well mail it in. Every good story has a beginning, as Doug talked about last week, usually a relatable protagonist who's met with an obstacle and we have no idea how he or she is going to overcome the obstacle, but we're here for the story. And every great story has an ending. Now notice I said great. <laughs> you ever seen a story without an ending? It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Ever been seven seasons deep into a TV series only to have the series finale just completely let you down? It's the worst thing, why? Because every great story has an ending. 
But I missed a step, didn't I? Every story also has a middle. Like imagine you go to the theater. Do people still do that? You pay your $17 for your ticket and $10 for your popcorn. You sit down. You see the beginning of the movie. We meet this young farmer named Luke Skywalker. I don't know why I picked an example from the 70s, but here we are. He's relatable, a little whiny, but you kind of like him, trying to figure him out. He meets this, this Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and gets called out on this adventure, and then his life on his home planet falls apart, and he decides to leave home and go try to save the day. And you eat your popcorn going, I'm hooked. It's a pretty good beginning, pretty good start. But then imagine it cuts to the Death Star blowing up and Luke flying away in his X-Wing. You're sitting in the theater like, that wasn't a story. It had a great beginning, it had a great ending, but there was no middle to it. Without the middle, we don't have a journey. Without the middle, we don't have any development. Without the middle, we don't have a story. Now, here's why I say all that. We all agree with that for the stories we like to watch. For whatever reason, when it comes to the story we're telling, we don't want it to go that way. We want to skip right over all the difficult parts. We want to skip right over all the conflict. We want to skip right over the messy middle. Hey, especially when you add God to the equation. Here's what we do. Well, I fasted, but I didn't get a date. It didn't work. I sang the song. I didn't get my financial breakthrough. It didn't work. I tried the truth. It didn't set me free. And now everyone's mad at me. It didn't work. I tried to do things God's way. My dreams didn't pan out. It didn't work. What I'm here to say is, oh no, it works. It's just that this isn't the end, it's the messy middle. There is a process to this and the middle is where God does all of his best work in your life. So maybe, maybe let's talk about you. You're, you're, you're here today or you're watching online going, I mean, at the beginning of my story, I was really involved in the church. Man, I was there serving. I wasn't just going to church. I was being the church. I was helping out however I can. And then I would hear people on stage say things like, well, we're just a bunch of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. And I would say, amen, that's so good. I love the word play. Keep saying it. Except then you experience some of the imperfections of some of those imperfect people and somewhere along the way, that led to some hurt, which went unaddressed and turned into bitterness. And that bitterness turned into resentment. And now you're here maybe just sneaking into the back or maybe watching online going, well, that part of my story is over. That part of my story is ending. Oh, I might go to church. Am I going to be the church? And I'm here to encourage you today. No, it's not over. It's the messy middle. This is the process. This is how it works. Welcome to the fight. Let's heal. Let's get back up. Let's keep moving forward. Maybe for you it's shame keeping you stuck in the messy middle, making you feel like your story's over. Dry January. I'm gonna go all of January without drinking. But then your friends invite you over for, for playoff football and you go, oh, I can do one and then one turns to two, turns to three and before you know it, you're right back to your same old habits. Now you have the enemy whispering in your ear, it's over. Your story's over. Couldn't even get through January. Try again in 2025. What I'm here to say is, no, it's not over. It's the messy middle. You get back up. 
you don't let shame call those shots in your life. I was going to go all of 2024 without watching pornography. You say, I was going to let God transform me by renewing my mind, restoring the gift of sex back to the beautiful way that God created it to be enjoyed in the context of the covenant of marriage. I was going to let God do all this work in my life, but here you are 21 days in, and you already messed it up, and now you're feeling like this year is done for, like your story has ended. But no, it's not the end. It's the messy middle. It's time to get back up. It's time to fall forward, to get back up and keep moving. This is the end of your story. This is the process. There is a middle to this. Or let's talk about disappointment. Just wanna make sure I, I, I get everyone today. Maybe you had goals for your career, for your job, for your dream, and you were writing them all down at the beginning of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Here are the things I wanna see God do. But here you are on day 14 and you're further away from those goals because you experienced rejection, because you experienced some, some, some no's when you thought they were going to be yeses. And now you're looking around like, did I hear God wrong? Can we be real in church today? This was my week. I have, I, I love to, to build the church on the side. My hobby is I, I love to write. I love to be a part of creative projects. There were a few that um, I felt were green lights for 2024. And on Wednesday, in the span of 10 minutes, both of the green lights turned to red lights. One via email, one via phone call. Two completely separate things. I'm like, did you guys talk about this like before? Like it always happens like that, right? And I'm sitting there and first off, it's, there's, there, we're good, it's fine. There's plenty of opportunity and it's, it, it's all good. But rejection, I don't care who you are, rejection hurts, doesn't it? You get a red light and all of a sudden you start questioning like, am I any good at this? Did I hear God right? Maybe it's time to quit. Maybe, maybe this part of my story is over. But no, it's not the end. It's only the messy middle. And so what I wanna do is that phrase has been so heavy on my heart this week that I wanna open up to Acts chapter 12 and give you three really practical tools that you can do when you find yourself in the messy middle. Because the first thing I want you to do is just preach that over your life. No, this isn't the end. This isn't the end. It's just the messy middle. Then you go, okay, great. What do I do now? Well, let's find out. Acts chapter 12. If you're new to the Bible, uh, the New Testament begins with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, the story of Jesus. Right after the death and resurrection of Jesus, we get the book of Acts, and it's the story of the church. Now, the church has an amazing story. It's 2,000 years and running long. We get to be a part of it today. And the beginning of their story is amazing. Acts chapter two, 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people. Imagine being Peter in that moment, like having dinner with his friends that night, reflecting on everything God just did. 3,000 people just got saved. This is amazing. Acts chapter four, that number's up to 5,000. So certainly you're thinking, if it starts that way, by Acts chapter 12, Peter must be on like cloud nine, right? Well, Let's read. <laughs> Acts chapter 12 and verse one. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. 
intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Let's not move too fast past that. Remember back to Matthew 4 when Jesus calls the first disciples? He calls Peter and Andrew, and who? James and John. This is that James, like best friends, been there from the very beginning, and James gets killed. Verse 3, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. What? After a a start like that? That's not what's supposed to happen. Everything was going so well, then suddenly Peter sees that his best friend gets killed and then he gets arrested. I don't know if you noticed, but there's 16 soldiers that are throwing him into prison and guarding him because he knows that his time is done. Now, if you're in Peter's position, you're thinking, well, we had a good start and we had a decent run. This story for me is over. This is the end. Now, as we're gonna find out in a second, it's not the end. It's the messy middle, but Peter doesn't know that. Hey, you may feel like that right now with your story. There, there's no way, this is it, this is it. This is the end for me, I'm, I am done. And so what do we do when we, like Peter, feel like our story is over? We find out in the very next verse, verse five. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was, what's that word? Oh, you can't say that word like that, what's that word? Earnestly, overflow, I think I could just hear you from here. Good work. Earnestly praying to God for him. How are they praying? Okay, I've been loving this word earnest. And so when you find yourself in the messy middle, what I want you to do this week is I want you to pray earnestly. Earnestly means focused. It means on purpose. You know what it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean vague. Can we stop praying vague prayers? I call them just prayers. Well, Father, we just, we just, we just pray. That's, yeah, we just pray. We're just praying. And we just, uh, I hope, just hope the weather's good up there in heaven. And, well, maybe protect us. You're praying to the God of angel armies. Pray specific, earnest prayers. Hey, especially when you're praying for protection. I pray that, that, that prayer every morning for, for myself, for the church, for my family. Uh, God, would you protect Doug and Sam today? Would you send angels to guard them today? Would you protect Will and Kinsley as they go to school today? Surround them. Protect them, remind them that they are loved and that they are yours and and, and surround them, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Praying earnest prayers, specific prayers. Start writing those prayers down. Get earnest in your prayer. Why? Because prayer changes things. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. That means that there are things that haven't happened in your life yet because you haven't asked. 
I don't know how it works. I graduated seminary with more questions than answers. I'm not here to referee the sovereignty of God. I'm here to call the church to pray earnestly because when you pray, it actually changes things. We're about to find out that the church's prayers actually change things for Peter. Prayer changes things, but that's not all it does. Prayer also changes you. See, because when you get FaceTime with your heavenly Father who loves you unconditionally, it starts to change the way you think. It starts to change your, the way you, you, you dream about your future. It begins to change everything. Here, just as, as real as I know how, how to be, here's what I've been noticing in my life over the last two weeks. A lesson I've learned a bunch, I'm learning it all over again, which is the Christian journey. This is the messy middle. This is how it works. Is that so much, so many of the things that I try to do I'm trying to do them and accomplish them so that I can earn God's love, so that I can think I'm worthy enough of God's love so that he will love me. And if you ever find yourself going down that path, just know you're in good company with every human being since the fall. Since Adam and Eve in the garden ate the fruit and went and hid themselves from God and sewed fig leaves together and, and, and just tried to be worthy of God's love. This is the human condition. But you start praying, you start getting in the presence of a God who loves you and all of a sudden you start to realize that the good news is better than you ever realized. And, and so, so many of the things that you're doing, can we dive deep for a second? So many of the things we do throughout the day are motivated by impure motivations. I'll show her. Oh, I'm gonna teach him a lesson. Oh, I'm gonna work so hard. My, my, my boss, my old boss that fired me is going to curse the day. He let go, I'll, I will show him. And like that hype can be a, a good starter, but it, it can't sustain you. The hype won't get you through. Prayer it is where you allow the love of God to melt away all of those impure motivations. Prayer is the place you begin to realize, no, I'm worthy not because of what I do, but because of who I am. And as that happens, it's like all those other things start to melt away. And your motivations begin to change. I bet you What's happened over the last 14 days is some of you set out with certain goals, certain things you wanted to see God do, and now at this point, you're kinda like, eh, with that one, I don't really care. That, that one's not really that important to me anymore. Why, what's happening? God is redeeming your impure motiv motivations. And, and get this, not just to get those things out of your life, but to make room for the new that he wants to do in your life. If you're ready to receive it, oftentimes in prayer and fasting, you get more red lights than green lights. If you were sold, you just gotta fast, and then God will make all these things that you want to have happen magically come true. What a small picture of God. Because how do I know what's best for me? I don't. I promise you I don't. You know who does? God. And so God, you realign me during this fast. You, you rearrange the furniture in my soul. You start to get rid of the stuff that's just my selfish ambition to try to earn some love that I already got. I can just be child of God and trust that the green lights that you do have for me are the green lights that I gotta pursue with everything I got.
In the messy middle, you learn to pray earnestly because prayer changes things and prayer changes you. Hey, you know God has a story to tell through your life, right? Like, you know you're just in the messy middle right now, right? Okay, in your mind, picture, picture an angel doing a movie pitch in heaven about your life and about the story you'll tell. This is just, this is how my mind works. This is a helpful exercise. Okay, imagine the angel goes into the movie pitch and he goes, I got an idea. This is a good beginning. Okay, dark auditorium, somebody walks into the back, feels like God's not for them, that God's angry with them, and then hears the gospel and the good news, and starts to realize that he who took, who, him who knew no sin to become sin so that they may become the righteousness uh, of God, and, and then they start to realize that this whole thing is actually for them, that God has a plan and a purpose for their life, and at the salvation call, they raise their hand, and they make Jesus the Lord of their life, and all the angels are leaning in like, yeah, Then they get up and they walk out the door to go change the world. The angels are like, yeah, yeah, then what happens? Cut to heaven. They're in heaven. You would go, that's not a story. It had a great beginning, had a great end. Where's the messy middle? Where's all the other stuff? The place that you may find yourself today, where's the messy middle? Hey, the thief on the cross is the only one who gets to live that story. The rest of us enter into the messy middle and learn the Christian journey. Learn how to stumble sometimes. Learn how to get back up. Learn how to get to the end of ourselves where we actually start to pray earnestly. What do you do when you find yourself in the messy middle? You pray earnestly. That's number one. Number two is this. Don't spiral, just walk. Don't spiral, just walk. What do I mean by that? Let's get back to our story. Peter's in prison, the church is praying earnestly. Verse six says this. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. Sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Remember how I said prayer works? Verse eight, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter, fo Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Now, let's chat for a second because I've been reading that story all week and I can't stop laughing at the, the idea of Luke, who wrote Acts, sitting down with Peter to interview him about that day. Like, Peter, tell us the story. And because Peter gives so many details in there that Luke had to be like, you sure you want me to put that in there? And I picture Peter being like, put it in there. It, it's going to help. Here's what I mean. I wanna read back through what we just read. I want you to, to picture this moment from the perspective of the angel who gets assigned in heaven to go break Peter out of prison. You ready? Let's read it again, verse six. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, 
Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. You ever tried to sleep on a plane in the middle seat? <laughs> Surrounded by two strangers without awkwardly like leaning on them? It's the worst, you can't do it. Imagine it being your last night. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm shocked that Peter was even sleeping. Bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Now, here's how I picture this happening. The angel goes in and wakes up Peter and I picture Peter waking up going, and the angel going, and Peter just looking at the angel like, and the angel like, because look what he says. The first thing the angel says is, hey, so yeah, we're going to have to do this quickly. <laughs> like, obviously, we're doing something here, Peter. Quick. Peter being like, oh, okay. And the angel goes, so get up. Stand up, Peter. He stands up, and he says, the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then I picture Peter just standing there, like looking at the angel. <laughs> Look at what the angel says. Then the angel said to him, Peter, Put on your clothes. And I picture Peter being like. And then the angel's like, Peter, your sandals. Hey, come on, you parents with young kids, you know how this process works. You're like, we've done this a million times. You know what to do. Now put your sandals on. And Peter puts his sandals on. Okay, now, Peter, we're breaking out of prison. Wrap your cloak around you. And how about this? Just follow me. Everything that I do, you do. This is going to work out. The only way this can go bad is if you panic right now. And so I need you to not spiral. I need you just to walk where I walk. The angel told him, <laughs> here we go. Peter followed him out of prison. He had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Our boy Peter is just deer in the headlights. He has no idea what's going on. Meanwhile, the angel's like, I've got a movie to pitch up in heaven in like 20 minutes. I need this guy to focus right now. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Should probably be a pretty big clue of what's happening. And they went through it, and you would think at that point the angel's like, so certainly Peter like, but he can't even do it. And so it says, then he, the angel walked the length of one street. The angel's like, okay, I guess I gotta go a whole nother block with you, Peter. And then suddenly, the angel left him. And then verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I get it. Oh, now I know, without a doubt, the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. Way to go, Peter. You figured it out. I love that they left those details in there because I resonate with Peter so much in that moment. In the messy middle, I get that deer in the headlights look where I, I, if I'm not careful, start spiraling. Like in the messy middle, I often need God to be like, hey, Ryan, so put your sandals on. Like, Ryan, time to get up. Ryan, time to take one step today. Like, Ryan, I know it's the messy middle, but, but just walk, just walk. You know how to do this. Keep going. Follow me. Don't spiral. Just walk. I'll explain it like this. Your story has a beginning. Your story has an end. And like we've been talking about at length, there is a whole lot of messy middle right here. Now, two ways you can react in the messy middle. My preferred method, spiral. Spiral. <laughs> 
by preaching to anyone. It's so easy to do, right? I was driving down uh, 35, and I, I, I passed a sign that said IHOP. You guys heard about this place? International House of Pancakes. And in the middle of the fast, I see that sign, and I'm driving in my car by myself. There's nobody else in my car, and I audibly say, I miss IHOP so much. <laughs> you kidding? The pancakes? Are you kidding me? The bacon? And it's breakfast, break fast. Is God calling me just to, just to break the fast? I'm like about to call Doug and Ethan, like, go on without me. This is the end for me. IHOP took me down. <laughs> Five minutes later, I shake out of it and I realize I haven't been to IHOP in like six years. <laughs> I don't miss IHOP. I'm just hungry. But in the messy middle, it's so easy to spiral, isn't it? There's funny examples. There's also a lot of serious examples too. Maybe, maybe you got laid off. You got fired at your last job. Now you're at a, a healthier work place, but your, your boss emails you and says, hey, let's meet on Friday, and it's Monday. So on Monday, you don't sleep, and on Tuesday, you can't focus, and on Wednesday, you're, you're, you're spiraling out of control, and by Thursday, you've submitted your resume to a whole bunch of other places, <laughs> and then you walk into your boss's office, and she says, hey, you've been doing a great job. I just wanted to chat a little bit about the future. Let's dream together. Where are we heading? What are we, what are we building? Where can we go from here? And you're sitting there like, why did I spiral for an entire week for this? It's so easy to do that, right? Let me give you an alternative. In the messy middle, instead of spiraling out of control, how about this? Just walk humbly in the direction God called you. Just take a step. This is for somebody today. Don't spiral, just walk. Don't spiral, just walk. Don't spiral, Peter, just walk. The angel's like, just do exactly what I do. Don't spiral, how about this? When you're in the messy middle and you find yourself spiraling, think back to the last time you felt really close to God, really in line with what the Holy Spirit wanted you to do. And whatever that thing is, make that your North Star. And then when you find yourself in the messy middle and you don't know where to go, just take one humble step towards that North Star. And then tomorrow, wake up and take one more humble step toward that north star. Don't spiral, church. Just walk. So I want to tell you again, this is not the end for you. It's the messy middle. If you find yourself in the messy middle, it's a beautiful time to learn how to pray earnestly. And then instead of spiraling, taking a step in the right direction. And there's one last one. And it's this, remember on repeat. Remember on repeat. Been reading Acts 12 all week, and I, I love that what happens after that moment is he runs right back to the church as they're praying, and they celebrate it, and then Peter just runs off and keeps building the church. He just keeps going. I think the reason why Peter had gotten so good at, at navigating through the messy middle is because he'd been doing this for a long time at this point. He had a track record with God, and I think he got in the habit of remembering on repeat because there was a, a moment many years before this, where Peter did not keep walking in the right direction. Instead, he spiraled. Take you back to a garden called Gethsemane on a fateful Thursday night. Jesus prays the most honest prayer 
anyone has ever prayed, God, I don't want to do this. Would you take this cup from me? I'm in the middle of the mess, and I don't want to move forward. But not my will, but yours be done. You want me to do this, I'll take another step. Meanwhile, our boy Peter's just spinning, man. Pulls out his sword, starts trying to fight. Jesus is like, that's not, that's not how we're gonna do this. And so then Peter runs away. Matthew's gospel says he followed at a distance. Too afraid to go be with Jesus, but too afraid to leave Jesus behind. And so he's, he's just spiraling, following at a distance. Meanwhile, Jesus is just taking steps towards the destiny he knows he has to fulfill. And then Peter is out in the courtyard as Jesus is under trial. And Peter is, Peter is warming himself by the fire and people start asking him if he knows Jesus. And not once, not twice, but three times he denies that he even knows Jesus. He goes away and he starts weeping bitterly. Come on, we can all resonate with this. We can all relate to this. This is what happens in the messy middle. We start to think it's the end. Well, we had a good run. There goes our leader. Guess we're done. Meanwhile, Jesus just picks up his cross and takes another step, takes another step, takes another step up a hill. And as the Roman soldiers mock him and begin to crucify him on a cross, while the church is spiraling out of control, Jesus just humbly prays, Lord, forgive them. Hey, they don't know what they're doing. And he breathes his last breath, uttering the, the famous words, it is finished. And Peter's nowhere to be seen. It's like, I guess this is over. I guess this is the end. Except Jesus knew something we didn't, didn't he? Oh, it wasn't the end. It was the messy middle. For on Sunday morning, the tomb was empty. For on Sunday morning, Jesus had defeated sin and death once and for all. For on Sunday morning, we realized that the trials and the setbacks that we face are actually just steps along the way, creating an even better testimony for what God wants to do in and through our lives. Our boy Peter's spiraling. He's just, he's just, he's just back to fishing. He's back to doing what he knows how to do. <laughs> my favorite story, one of my favorite stories, John 21, Jesus comes to him. And goes, hey, Pete, that wasn't the end. You thought that was the end. That was just the messy middle. Come on, Peter, we got work to do. We got a church to build, and we got people to love, so it's time for you to get back up on your feet. That's not the end. That's the messy middle. See, that's what I think Peter was remembering on repeat. And that's what I want to leave you with today. You find yourself in the messy middle, you remember on repeat. Remember what? The verse that we started with. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God's not done with you, church. This isn't the end of your story, it's the messy middle. But my career, I didn't think it was gonna go this way. It's not the end. Yeah, but I'm 45 years old. Yeah, well Moses was 80 when he got started. Abraham was 100. What are you talking about? You're running out of time. You're just getting started. Don't spiral, get back up on your feet. To the one watching this who can't get sober and is trying so hard to get sober and maybe you clicked on this link as a last ditch effort and you feel like you've fallen down 99 times, can I tell you to get up 100? Hey, this isn't the end of your story, it's the messy middle. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, so don't you stop. Hey. The bigger 
the mess in the middle, the more triumphant the conclusion is at the end. So church, would you stand to your feet with me? Wherever this message finds you, I wanna leave you with one final verse how the writer of Hebrews ends his amazing book, Hebrews 13 and verse eight. Get this into your spirit. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Back when he began, back when he started this good work in you, he was on the throne. One day he's gonna bring it to conclusion, he will be on the throne. But today, right here in the middle of the mess, he is still on the throne because he is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And so Father, all across this room, up and overflow, ladies that God behind bars, those watching online, would they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is not the end of their story. They are just getting started and this is the messy middle. Encourage us, inspire us, convict us, and remind us that you are the same God yesterday today and forevermore in Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's worship.